Mary and Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Martha, the one anxiously busy with tasks, and Mary at Jesus' feet, devotedly listening to the word. Jesus upholding Mary for choosing the better part. So let's talk in reality here. How many of you have gotten annoyed at this text or been told you are a Martha in a not-so-nice way? <laughs> I actually don't see many male hands going up. <laughs> and in fact, I'm, there's one, yay, uh, another. Uh, I'm fascinated at how this text has been used and not fascinated in a great way used to justify and determine women's roles. Women, therefore, household tasks. Therefore, being subservient and sitting at the feet of men. Now, we don't do this with any other of the texts about male disciples. A few weeks ago, we heard about Jesus rebuking James and John for asking if they could, quote, command fire to come down from heaven and consume the villagers that did not welcome Jesus. Now, have there been any commentary like, ugh, men, they're so violent? <laughs> or the male disciples sleeping in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus chastising, you know, couldn't you just stay awake one hour with me? Do we say, ugh, men, can't focus, can't trust them to do anything? Are the male disciples after the resurrection not believing Mary Magdalene who had just seen the risen Christ? Do we say men, they're so clueless, they just don't get it? No. We use all of those texts to point to lessons about all of us, not just the boys. Okay, now I got that out of my system. <laughs> I think this story about Mary and Martha is a story about two disciples. Disciples just like the male disciples. Two followers of Jesus. Not establishing that women belong in the kitchen or at the feet of men. And two disciples who, interestingly enough, if you look really closely at the text, they're depicted subversively for that time in terms of gender. It's Martha who invites Jesus into her home, not her husband's home, not her father's home or her father-in-law's home, into her home. And Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, that was not a sign of subservience. It was a spot for men who were learners, people who were disciples or followers of the great teacher. So Mary is in a sense usurping a male spot, taking on the male role of learning. So we actually have a text that we've kind of missed upends gender roles right at the beginning, and that fits with all of Jesus' ministry, challenging power structures. You know, think about the rich man and the eye of the needle, or Jesus inviting everybody to be at the table, people who are marginalized as opposed to privileging them over the wealthy. And the passage right before this one about Martha and Mary, it's the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan where we heard that the heretic Samaritan was the one who actually was loving 
his neighbor, as opposed to the religious authorities who were so in their heads they did not care for the one who was hurting. So we have Martha and Mary in a subversive context. And the conversation between Martha and Jesus has commonly been seen as a pitting of Martha against Mary. Jesus seemingly preferencing Mary's contemplation and learning over Martha's doing. Like it's a zero-sum game. Mary or Martha, and Mary wins. The focus has typically been on just what Martha asks. Do you not care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? You know, tell her to come help me. And then with what Jesus replies, we only focus on the part where he says, Mary has chosen the better part. And we miss what I think is the heart of this text the words that come before each of those utterances. Before Martha asked Jesus to make Mary help her, she's described as distracted by many tasks. Distracted. And the first thing Jesus says is, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Worried and distracted. What if it isn't the tasks themselves that are the problem, but the worry and the distraction? What if this is a story about the orientation of one's heart and orientation of one's being? Are our hearts focused on God? Or are our hearts distracted? And what if the dichotomy Jesus is pointing to is a dichotomy of Martha's worry versus Mary's focus? Other translations describe Martha as anxious, preoccupied, troubled by many things. And look what it takes for Jesus to get through that anxiety and trouble and distraction. He has to say her name twice, Martha. Martha. Now think about times when we've all been anxious. What does it take to get back to, ooh, to center? Ooh, God is present here. It takes a lot. And think about times when we're anxious and worried and distracted. Those are times that are fertile ground for resentment, to breed, to become resentful of everyone and everything around us and to, be, to feel put upon. This is fertile ground for all that Jesus has taught us about loving our neighbor and being charitable and forgiving. Fertile ground for all of that go, to go out the window. And as someone who bathes quite frequently, too frequently, in tubs of anxiety, I see this as a call to return to return my focus, return our focus to God. Not on me and not on the minutia of life at the exclusion of an awareness of God. Now this doesn't mean abandon our tasks. Rather the invitation to focus on God in all that we do, whether we're sitting here in church or attending a class or doing altar guild and preparing the beautiful altar for communion in this whole sanctuary. It's a call 
to bring our attention to God in all of that. It can happen at home, or whether we're praying in the home, or we're doing dishes, or living into our daily work and responsibilities. The call is to focus and have attention on God and God's word. So it seems Jesus here is going to the heart of Martha's heart, showing her a better way. And there's a Greek translation some consider more accurate than for the word that is better, and that's a good way, a way of the heart. And it's a way of the heart that Jesus says of Mary will not be taken away from her. Now, Catherine of Siena, a medieval mystic and an activist, she calls this part that cannot be taken away the inner cell of our hearts. Build yourself a spiritual cell, she writes, which you can always take with you. And this cell, she says, is both worldly and divine. And Catherine of Siena's life upholds this worldliness and the divine at once. She was a very wealthy, empowered woman who used that power and the gifts of that power to advocate for justice and peace amongst strife. And she was an amazing mystic. She did both. And her call, what fed her, was this idea of the inner cell, a cell made up of the knowledge of ourselves and how we are in the world, and knowledge of God. So perhaps we could see this inner cell as a cell of both Mary and Martha, of being in action and being in communion with God. As Jesus is not condemning the action, again, the story right before this is the Good Samaritan. And the very last line of the Good Samaritan is Jesus telling the lawyer who's asking the questions, go and do likewise. Our doing is not exclusively contemplation or exclusively doing. It's the merging of having an awareness and focus on God in both. And we need both. So if we hold the Good Samaritan and this Mary and Martha together, we get that picture of a worldly life of service oriented to God. Brother Lawrence, as a monk who lived in the 16th century, wrote, the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. That's one heck of an aspiration would love to be able to do that at all times, in all places. This is the better way. This is the good way, the new way in Christ. And this morning we are baptizing little Regan over over here, baptizing her into this good way, this new life of Christ, baptizing her into the way of both Martha and Mary, and a way of focusing on God through learning, contemplation, and action. And we too are gonna be renewing our baptismal vows where we hear Christ's call to turn our focus to God. So our worry, our distraction, our anxiety can be transformed. 
And what are we supposed to be transformed into? And how does Christ transform us? Christ transforms us into loving, liberating, and life-giving agents of God in this world. Amen.